Previously, on the Adventure Zone Ethersea. Zeus is gone. You know it, for sure. I want to use my will to try to will the coral into a new body for Zeus. And then you are awake, and you are the tower. Zeus opens up the floor of coral and engulfs Kodira. And he is going to recite the words that he knows so well from listening to Brother Seldom's historical broadcasts. And he is going to repeat the call to the sea. When kingdoms fall, the sea provides a home for all beneath the tides. And bring your family. They just hear a shout. Kelisa Guppy's mama's home! And the rest of you see her falling down into the water and the biggest baby sinks down to the floor of the ocean completely inactive Zooks, you are still a building, and that's that's weird, huh? Mm-hmm. That's but, still- But kind of cool. Sure, sure. You're a proud, virile tower at the bottom of the sea. You. I just want to say, I feel like I kind of paved the way for this with my trying to turn the dragon into stairs thing. You planted like, mm-hmm. the seed for sure. Um, you're you're still conscious, Zooks. You are still you. You're still self aware, but your senses and the body that you you occupied and its sort of way of um, seeing and navigating the world around it is gone. And through these sort of unfamiliar senses, you know a couple of things to be true. One, Amber and Kodira are are just gone. In one moment, they were inside the foyer with Devo. They were battling. And then the next minute, just poof. They are not there anymore. The second thing that you know is this. You have awakened well and truly. Your consciousness fills the walls and floors and stairways of this tower. But that is just what you are right now. That's just that's just matter. That's just form. Um, you, Zooks, are something more than that now. What would you like to do with that information? Hmm. Well, what can I see? What can I mean? What? That's an interesting verb to use. You you can't. What s- can I sense? Sure. What can he experience? Um. Why don't you roll a 
wisdom check for me. I would also accept uh, per perception, although I don't think you are uh, proficient in that. So it's essentially the same thing. Uh, let's see. Wisdom and perception. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll make a perception check. That is a 19. 19 plus 1, a 20. Uh, with a 20... I mean, you are you are completely self-aware. You are a coral consciousness, and you are within a large coral form, right? When you were absorbed up into it, your consciousness sort of became this new form. With a 20, you get the impression that you can be whatever you want to be right now. You can you can go make, to college. You Dad, can make go things go to college. To, to Phoenix Online University. Um, you are able to take whatever shape that you that you want to take. Your your consciousness is as such that it you know can only be one sort of place at a time. Um, but you, you know this this tower is just a form that you are taking right now. And though you've never like consciously done this before, you think that you could make. A, a a body you could make whatever you want to inhabit as long as you've got the the core the living coral to do it i think i am going to form um a bigger faster stronger version of zooks <laughs> there you go i was gonna ask like if you had said like another zooks i'd be like well now hold on this um, is gonna be here. this is gonna be a super zooks Zooks 2.0. Zooks Prime. Um, in Zooks's mind, in your consciousness, as you are trying to make this coral take form, what, is that, what does that look like? Um, I think it, it would almost be... I'm, are we in water right now or not? You no, are not. No. not. Okay. Um, I mean, okay, I think, wait, wait, wait. Yes, you are. Your base of the tower is in flooded water. So, sure. Okay, uh, Zooks takes a form of almost like a transformer. I think he's Hell going yeah. to he's going to become uh, larger, and he's going to become something that if someone were going to want to use him for transportation, like uh, ride on him, they could. Wait, what? He's I'm turning himself into David Hasselhoff in the SpongeBob movie. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got myself. Hi, folks. Steve. Justin McRoy here. What a pleasure it is. <laughs> Uh, okay. Special guest, Justin McRoy. So, like, what, in humanoid form, how big a boy are we talking? I would say he's going to have to be at least, uh, 12 feet long. 12 feet. Jesus. 12 feet long? Then how tall is he? (laughs) 12 Uh, feet. 12 feet. That's a big fella. Okay. Uh, this, you, you are Holy self- shit, Zooks! <laughs> well, hold on, you're, you are, you are self-aware this is the first time you are consciously trying to form a new body. I will give you advantage because of your great 20 roll, but I am going to need another wisdom check, uh, which is going to be another d20 plus one, or yeah, d20 plus one. Well, that is a five. And that is a 17. Plus one, an 18. Okay. Um, I'll give you 10 feet. I think with a 17, you feel like you can 
move the coral. That's the first thing you are kind of like awakened to and you bend it first. And Devo, you look down at the ground and that first spire that formed that that message of promise, uh, the, the like different little thorns on it kind of begin to slide up toward the top, forming almost a hand. And then it bends at 90 degrees halfway and props itself against the ground and you see using this one long arm Zooks just pushes himself up from the floor uh, only he is I mean he was already big he is hulking now his like still suit that was made of the the coral is more like uh, more like plate armor uh, at this point he is he is bigger in all dimensions. Uh, but there is enough with his like coloration and the different types of coral that are comprising his body that he is still recognizably Zooks. Zooks? Hi have there. You, have <laughs> you been working out? Well, yes, no, I have. Working out please? my spirit. Okay, I don't know what his voice is, but could you... He's trying to do a little Patrick Warburton. I guess yeah. I didn't succeed oh, very well. He crushed it, actually. I think yeah, it's actually it's really good. good. Yeah. Wait a minute, hold on. <laughs> no, it's me. Hi. How do I look? Uh, Bigger. Yeah. 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 Better believe it. Yeah. So and you right want to now... see how fast I probably am, because my boots are bigger, so my boot jets are, are stronger. He just starts okay. running circles around the room. Just yeah, you're you're a very fast boy. Yes, um, uh, Griffin. Am I right that at this point, if my math serves me, Zooks and I are like the only people in the room? Well, actually, you hear a hatch open, and then the sound of two tiny little feet slap against the ground and walk towards you, and you hear Virgin? a voice. You hear a voice say, "Ah." Uh, down, Zooks. Those gains, though. Um, where's Amber? Uh, Amber jumped through a portal into the next world. She jumped through a portal into. What about the cop? Cop jumped through a portal. Okay. Um, is that a bad? Thing? Good thing? Uh, I, Urchin, at this point, I have no fucking clue. Uh, here's what I know. Let me tell you something I do know. I'm really tired. Um, so here's what I propose. Zooks, uh, you, with your magic, uh, coral powers, uh, let's figure out a way to get this portal onto our ship so we can, I don't know, work on that later. Um, and then, Zooks, are you connected to, like, the coral warships as well? Hmm. I probably could be, because I'm pretty huge right now. Um, you want me to try to, you know, send out some hailing frequencies? Yes, um, because I'm thinking without the biggest baby... We're gonna need some help back at Founders Wake, and maybe this is something the the dry nar can help with. Okay, um, Zooks uses his coral shaping powers, and on the outside of the tower, mm -hmm. spires shoot out that say "Help." 
Um, instantly, you see coral warships that just push through the big coral dome surrounding this tower. Uh, and it looks like they're phasing through it. But, I mean, th- that is essentially exactly what they are doing. Their ships are pressing into the outside of it, forming into the dome, and then reforming on the inside. And one by one, they just sail in through the dome and uh, take uh, docking positions uh, all all around the tower. Uh, well, this and, is, that was fucking sick. Actually, this was that was cool. And from one of the ships at the at the um, sort of uh, front of this formation, uh, you see that same uh, big drynar that approached your ship when you first arrived, sort of on the scene here. Uh, and he pulls himself up into the tower uh, and walks towards you and looks around uh, and sees the destruction that has happened here, but then sees this one remaining gateway that is still standing, and he is just kind of looking at it uh, with with reverence, Uh, and then he turns back to you and forms a spire on the ground that says, what happened here? This tell you what, a, yeah. you you tell him, and I'll translate. Okay. Into spirees. Sure. Uh, short answer, good news, bad news. Spirish. Spirish. Mm-hmm. Uh, good news, uh, the portal was opened. Hey. Yeah, we put some god blood was splashed on it during a fight. It opened. Uh, bad news, Zen. Uh, Amber and the only god we had immediate access to went through the portal and then the portal closed. But uh, the takeaway here is that, uh, you know, on the paper, uh, the portal system works. Uh, We just need a new supply of god blood to reopen it. Um, It nods and... Aspire forms, and it says, we are complete now. And another forms that says, thank you. And outside, you see what look like masts appear on on all of these warships, only they are also messages mimicking uh, the one uh, that, that just formed. And all of these ships are saying thank you. Uh, you are welcome. But uh, we need something from you. Here's, here's the deals that I will make. I will work on figuring out how to open this portal. And I will work with you. Uh, but I need you to work with us as well. Would you be willing to act as guards and sentries for uh, Founder's Wake? This is a city from uh, that we come from. While I figure out how to activate this portal once more, he looks at you, Zooks, and then turns and walks back to the doorway out to the the open water where all the warships are positioned. And there's a, a, a brief moment where you feel this tower sort of resonate for a second. And then he turns and faces the rest of you again and forms 
aspire that says we will follow wherever you lead and with that he turns and jumps back down into the water and forms uh, into the side of the uh, warship that he exited okay so let's get this portal on board the Coriolis and then collect Orlean's remains uh, and we can go uh you hear another voice come from the Coriolis, and Dylan pops out of the hatch and says, "Uh, hey, um, what's up?" Um, Dylan, was it? Yeah, you know, yeah, just Dylan. You know me. Um, the like phone is blown up, and there's a bunch of people that are like screaming, and they're like, "Oh God, oh God, God is dead." Um, what happened to God? God's dead. Oh no. Sure. Um, why is our Lord forsaken us? Um, and it's, it's come from the big baby. So, um, they're asking for a, a lift. Yes. They can get on board the coral warships. Right on, right on. Um, um I, I'm sure Zooks can, um, help facilitate the, the pickups. Cool. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Shitter's broke by the way. Ah, Eddie hops back. Oh down wait, what ship. do I care? <laughs> yeah, you don't care. Eddie hops um, back down into the ship. While that's happening, I'm going to go uh, back up to Orlean's ship to, uh, you know, collect that body and also any information I can find regarding benevolence and that book that we got for Orlean and all that cool shit. Well, you do that, and and Zooks will move the. The portal on board our ship. Uh, okay, I think it's it is. This is becoming more natural for you. You your feet are touching the floor of the tower as you walk, and you are still tethered to it. And so you can feel like your consciousness rejoin the tower, but your body is still a part of it too. And then you just kind of scoot that that ring inch by inch toward the Coriolis. And oh, I, I make it like a big conveyor belt. Yeah, it for sure. Right on down, right on the rollers, takes the rollers all the way. That's some fucking Gumby shit, and yeah. I love it. It is very, very Gumby shit. Uh, and uh, Urchin hops back in the Coriolis and turns it around and opens up the uh, cargo hatch. And uh, you are, you are with surprising ease, able to load this, this gateway onto the ship. Um, Devo, you return to the top of the tower, uh, and the coral here is starting to, like, writhe a little bit. It is starting to move, uh, a little, and you see a few, like, coral beings just kind of, like, climb out of the walls and floors and just, like, brush past you, walking back down the stairs, like, nodding hey, at you as you go. How's it going? Hey, what's um, up, man? You also get the impression you see some water. Uh, begin to drip into the tower as they kind of like take themselves out of the tower to be something else. Um, you find the scene though pretty much as as you left it. You see his body lying sort of by the entryway of the ship um, and uh, the the machine that it was plugged into has has gone dormant. In fact, it has almost fully eroded at this point. Um, why don't you roll an investigation check for me? Well, that's a two plus three, Griffin. That's a five. There is nothing else here. 
that what uh, that you see <laughs> that would what would it have been, Griffin? Just uh, hypothetically, if it had been like a twenty-five. Oh, I would have given you some great. No, uh, it would have. There is. There is. He is traveling uh, with with sort of Spartan means. Um, there. So it's not that I can't find the things. Is that there's not things there? Um, right. There aren't. Okay. There aren't things there whether or not he had some other sort of hideaway where he was squirreling stuff away like curiously there is no that the journal uh where he sort of found the blueprint for for this machine like that's that is not here um and but we already have a copy of that right you do you have a, a a copy that was created by the mysterious beholder whose identity right. shall forever remain yeah. secret yeah complete mystery um but you are able to to I would say it's a bit laborious, but you're going downstairs, so uh, you are able to drag him back to the ship also. And I assume eventually I can wave down a coral person and be like, "Hey, sure, yeah, they help you out too." Uh, do you need some help? I'll send uh, some help. No, I got it. Thank you. I was he thinking ain't of heavy. a big hand come out. Hey, wait, hi, 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 hi. Oh, he ain't it. heavy. He's my benefactor. <laughs> We're, we're having a lot of fun with dead bodies today. Um, we and then I make him go. Yeah, what are you said? Okay, grotesque. Uh, I don't really do a Bernie's with him. Sure, sure. You get uh, everything aboard the ship, and I miss Amber. I wonder what Amber would have to say about all this. Well, I bet we'll, it would go a little something like this. We'll check in with Amber here in a second. Okay. Um, I'm in the bathroom. <laughs> I moved on to another podcast. I'm on <laughs> Bye. Uh, okay. It, it, you all load up into the ship. Zooks, do you do? You see that the tower is starting to uh, deform uh, down into a more sort of primordial coral shape. Is there anything else you want to do before you board the Coriolis? Yeah. Um, as far as as far as he knows, Amber's gone right yep i think he wants to make a coral statue of amber it's it's so easy partially because you are now very good at sort of morphing this coral to your will but also because you traveled with amber and you do not forget a face um you leave it here, and as you board the Coriolis, you see the tower, once all the sort of, like, uh, oxygen-breathing life forms aboard it uh, are, are, are on the Coriolis, uh, it very quickly just kind of falls away, uh, as does the dome that is surrounding you. Um, and it starts to take shape. It is a bit more of a slower process, almost like an egg hatching into these big warships. Um, you can see that there are these little pods that are emerging from the belly of the biggest baby that are floating up into these warships, and several of them have already departed, uh, heading in the direction of Founder's Wake. Uh, and you see behind you, as you sail away, a very big statue of Amber. And give me... Uh, both you and Devo, give me a uh, give me a straight up and down uh, wisdom check. Nineteen. A nat twenty. Whoa! Both of you realize as you sail away that it is a touching tribute to your lost friend, 
And you also realize that it strikes a pretty remarkable resemblance to the statue that you discovered while you were en route to this location, the one that Amber touched and seemed to bolster her power. Whoa, wait a minute. Cool. Uh, wow. It is... Hey, Griffin, is time a flat circle? It's a bit later. You have been... Um, That's a no. No. Because if it's later... Yeah. It's, yeah <laughs> it's no, early. But is it earlier? Mm. Uh, it's been a couple hours, and you all are sailing in this, like, armada of coral warships. Um, uh, Devo has been sleeping real hard. For sure, for sure. How how soon after you board the ship did you... Um... As soon as possible. Okay. As Do you, you remember how many times he like fell down and had to get back up because yep. the magical ray healed him for like three points of health? Okay, then. Very soon after you leave the tower, you have... Um, your head begins to hurt very badly, very quickly. A, a headache sets upon you that is indescribably painful, and you feel, it feels like your vision is blurring, but that is not the best way of describing it. It feels like the world is blurring, Devo. I need you to make a wisdom saving throw. Probably not great, let's see. Uh, an 11 total. <sighs> okay. Could be worse, Griffin. It could be much worse. Statistically. Yeah, that was a coin flip. You feel like your head is about to burst open. And just as suddenly as it set upon you, the headache is gone. As is this weird blurring of reality that was happening. And then that moment passes and you know, though it was agonizing, the pain is gone too. And you settle back in for a, a well-earned rest. Amber. You awaken on a beach. And you hear the sound of waves crashing below you. Um, you are nestled amongst some brush. And as your eyes open and adjust, this 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 whole scene, this whole world is bathed in this deep emerald sunset light. Um, and as you sit up and you sort of fully observe this beach and the sort of lavender-tinted waters that are splashing up on it, you realize you are not alone. Um, because also sitting on the beach is Kodira. And she is sitting on the shoreline, her feet just sort of resting in the water. And she turns when she hears sort of the brush moving. And you can see that barely glowing on her forehead, um, probably visible only because of how it kind of contrasts the, the, this dark green light, is the red eye of Coda. Make a perception check for me. 16. She is seated next to what appears to be some sort of like weird banana tree. It's like, it's not like our banana trees. 
It's it is. Damn, that's evocative. Not it like is. our perfectly normal, absolutely not strange banana trees. No, no. Yeah, these bananas they they like curve in two directions. They, Whoa! They, they, oh, they, that's bananas. They crazy. Banana yes. Um, just these, just these delicious looking. They're red, and they just look like lowercase wise. But that's not what's God, important. Where do you come up with this? I get. I got. I'm super high right now. Um, <laughs> what is peculiar is not just the color and shape of these bananas, but the fact that this tree is appears to be just inches tall, next to Kodira, uh, and you sort of put together as you this fog leaves your mind that the trees are not small. Kodira is gigantic. And then you realize that the brush you're sitting in is not brush at all. It is a jungle. And you are gigantic also. I'll be damned. I'll be damned. She looks at you and eyes you up and down and she says, don't freak. It's 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 me. Prove it. <clears throat> she sighs and says, um, "One time, you almost broke your tailbone trying to fish a Kaiser blade out of an infinite trash hole for me." Yeah, tried. Had to throw that in there. Yeah. All right. Where's uh? Where's the big guy? She holds a hand out toward you to help you up. Uh, to join her on the shore. Okay, do that. Um, you walk over and sit down on the shore with her, and uh, from from this perspective, you notice something else. There are glowing lights in the water. Um, there are blink sharks, easily thousands of them, uh, arranged in just this vast pattern, and they all are flashing this green light. Um... And she says, um, he's, uh, he's here, but only sorta. Uh, and she winces in pain, and she says, uh, I think he's, I think he's dying. You ever, uh, you ever had a god die inside you? It's not particularly fun. I've eaten some burritos that have made me feel like a god's dying inside me. Oh my goodness. Are you talking about Chester's roll em ups? What were we <laughs> Burrito was pretty generous. What were we to think about it? Um she says Coda Coda was never really whole. Not really. Y'all <laughs> You just cleared out a lot of him, but you know, there's still more Codite here, or I guess there. I'm pretty confused, but yeah, there was more. It's disorienting. In she says there was more codite out there than what was built into the biggest baby, but I think being separated from that ship is proven to be a little bit more than he can handle. Hey, Bubba, did, did I do the right thing? It felt right in the moment, but. It was all kind of confusing. You see that tears are are streaming down her cheeks. And they are illuminated every time this just... This choir of blink sharks uh, flashes their lights. She says... 
I was aware of what was happening during all that, which, by the way, thanks for the punches. I mean, I don't have a leg to stand on. <laughs> I tried not to. Holy shit. Um, you did what you had to do to save your friends. Is that about the long and short of it? I was trying to save a lot of people. Or, or See, this is what's tripping me up, right? I was trying to save people, but... I don't know if magic's as bad as Coda made it out to be. I, I mean, maybe I should have let him do his thing. I, I don't know. It just didn't seem right. She winces again and takes a moment to compose herself, and she says, I'll tell you, he seems pretty convinced that we are going to make a right mess of things here. I feel strong. You feel strong? Do I feel strong? Yeah. Godlike. I feel big. And that's not always the same thing. Um she makes a fist and clinches it tight. And you see very, very slowly and painfully it seems. That red eye fades and fades and then is gone. And she takes a huge breath when it happens and kind of shakes her head and looks at you. And she says, okay. Well, I guess it doesn't matter what he thinks because he's dead as hell now. Did you have to fight him like in your mind palace? No, what? Like, did you have an embodiment of you in your mind, and he was there in your mind, too, and you had to, like, like fight him in your mind? And then it's like you beat him, and then he's like, you know what I mean? She says, you've been reading some of uh, Young Mitchell's old tall tales? You've been dipping into that, dipping into some of that sci-fi? I've been on some long trips. Okay. There ain't much else to do. He says, nah, I wouldn't. It wasn't nothing like that. Um, hey, I think we're in charge. Oh, shit. Huh. Yeah. Um, the Blink Sharks are continuing their their pattern of, of flashing lights. Um, and they seem, like, nervous to approach you. But you see... One small light swim toward the shore. Uh, it actually blinks toward the shore a couple times. And then it flashes as it blinks one more time. And it is just a little blink pup that uh, has beached itself kind of at your at your feet. And it is looking up at you, Amber. And it is kind of writhing, trying to move itself. Uh, it seems a little panicked, and some of the lights move a bit closer to the shore as they see, uh, you know, a member of their herd uh, endanger itself so foolishly just to kind of touch the hem of your garment. What do you do? I think I rise up my foot to squash it, um, sort of instinctually, and... I think I see the light um, blinking 
and it kind of stops. Like, I've never seen it blink like that before, you know, like, scared. They're such alpha predators. Um, there's something about the light, I think, that seems panicky. Uh, and I think right before I squash it, I kind of scoop my hand underneath it. And no, you know what I do? I use my giant finger to just draw a line through the sand that creates a stream. And the stream goes all the way back to the, the baby blink shark so it can get back to its family. You, you do that and it works perfectly. The ocean just comes and pulls the blink shark back in. You see about a dozen of those lights uh, swim toward the pup as it, it reaches the water. And then that smaller herd just swims right up to a safe distance toward you. And it starts blinking. And then another row of sharks line up behind it and start blinking and more and more and you get the pretty um, authoritative impression that you are being worshipped right now. And Kodira looks at everything that just happened and looks at you and says, I think you just passed the vibe check. And she smiles and says, but also I, I believe that you are now the favorite and so I have to topple you. Um, I have, I have, now we are warring. Uh, I'm an extremely jealous and fickle god. Yeah, well, good, best of luck. I got a, an army of very small blink sharks at my, at my disposal. I'm gonna look around. I bet this place has got fucking tigers. She leans down and just rips. Yo, we're gonna see a tiger! She <laughs> leans down and rips the banana tree out of the ground. And she says, I'm gonna throw this whole banana tree at you if you keep acting. I'm gonna eat an entire tree! Because I can. Yeah, that's a good point. Hey, we're going to need cooler names, aren't we? We can't be a couple deities named just Amber and Oksana. That's not very godlike. All right. You can be Bubba. I, we will work. Bubba the God. Okay. Bubba Hotep. You can, <laughs> you can be Banana Face. And she just kind of like no, throws the tree at you. And we'll it just, work on it. It just dinks off of you. Uh, and the sharks are in the water, just like, you You can tell from the way they're blinking, they're just like, banana face. God bless you. <laughs> um, yes. And. All right, now, y'all get on out of here, non-believers. I'll probably eat y'all in the morning. And some of them swim away, and she says, oh, we should actually probably, um, <laughs> we should probably be careful about that. I could go for some, I don't know, if they could do an offering. We're very big, so I don't know what we can eat now but um do we eat lot oh man I, 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 no <laughs> it's a good thought though what what's big enough to eat around here uh and as you start looking around the world for a big sandwich uh the lights continue to flash in sacred unison as the last of the suns in the sky slips over the horizon Zooks and Devo, uh, the Coriolis docks back at uh, your chosen spot in Founder's Wake. Uh, and you arrived with a, you know, motorcade of giant 
what appear to be bone ships behind you. Uh, yeah. And so there is a flurry of activity as uh, you all make your way out of the ship. Uh, there are no chaperones to be seen, which is peculiar. I mean, maybe not to you since you probably understand why, but peculiar to everybody else here as they are sort of the de facto, uh, you know, uh, security force in the city. Uh, instead, you just get a bunch of sort of dock workers and, and other contractors uh, gathered around to see what is happening. Do you explain what is happening? Uh, I am making a beeline for, I want to say the Citadel. Is that what it's called? What is that? Wherever the balusters hang out. Uh, we'll say that, uh, the baluster Hermine is, like, at the front of the crowd. So as you hop off the ship, um, she requests a, a debrief, essentially. And we don't have to do that whole thing for, like, the third time this episode. Uh-huh. Um, but how, how transparent are you about everything that happened? Oh, I think I'm very transparent. Okay. Um, for just so many reasons. But, like, yeah, uh, uh, lay out as many specific details as I possibly can. Okay, so you're not trying to be cagey about anything. No. Okay. Um, that's a that's a young man's game, and Devo has aged a lot in the last day. With the like past few months that this city has had, I don't think the baluster Hermine like blinks an eye at what you say. I think it's just like, oh, okay, weird existential crisis shit that's threatening reality, and we beat it. Okay, cool. Um, but she, uh, she sets up a time for you to come to, uh, come up to the ballast in, in the morning to, uh, fully sort of walk, walk her and I guess the only surviving, uh, baluster at this point, the only other one is Declan Cern. Um, okay. So she, she makes an appointment for that. Zooks, Tessellation approaches you and, uh, in a similar way... Uh, Tessellation wants to know why there are a bunch of white coral ships outside. They're, um, they're, they're kind of... Um, my um, supporters? It's a good um, choice of words, Dad. I was wondering where you were going to go with that. Yeah, I was leaning towards worshippers, oh, but I don't uh, think that's, uh, no, that's no, it. No. They're, they're like... Um, Entourage. They're like my posse. No, not that one. Okay, certainly supporters. not that. They're supporters. Okay. Um, they uh, they are here to they want to be friends, and they've they've agreed to kind of um, protect us, and uh, it, it's kind of cool, actually. Um, I I have uh, discovered a lot about myself. Not everything, but. Um, I've got some pretty, pretty, pretty cool powers. Uh, at least I, I did. I think I, I don't know if I still have them or not. I'll have to talk to the DM. You do. You find out. You still do. Um, Tessellation walks over to the edge of the, the pier that you're standing on and looks over at you and says, would you mind making a brief introduction? Oh, no, huh? No, I'd, I'd be glad to. And they dive into the water and begin swimming toward the uh, this, this vanguard warship. 
yeah, Zooks, go uh, with Tessellation. I'll see you um, in the morning when we meet the Ballisters. Um, rest okay. up, okay? Yeah. Hey, um, you okay? Uh, I mean, I mean, you know, you've been through a lot, and you know, are you? I am filled with purpose, and I think that for me, it's the best I can do. Uh, that I know, that I feel connected. Uh, that I feel like I know why I am here, and I know. I am beginning to understand uh, why, why. I'm beginning to understand why. And it is helping a lot, but I am, not going to lie, tired as dog shit. I, I get that. Well, you, you know what Amber would say to you right now? Uh, no. Go kick some ass, guppy. It's Okay. It's very cute when you say it. It is not the Thank same you. kind of, it's cute. But I, I will see you in the well, that's morning. That's because I'm, you know, I'm like a sea creature, so me calling somebody else guppy, I think it's kind of No, it kind it's, of more, to, right? it's more that you're like a sea otter, um, yeah, okay, and your yeah. energy is it vibrates. Playful, yes. yeah. Okay, but well, just, you know, do good. Okay, you're, I will see you at the meeting in the morning, okay? Okay. And he does this great foon into the water. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now, other people don't know what that is, Dad, unless they That's all right. They listen to Taz Amnesty, in which they right, yeah. an epic foon to destroy a, That's a water monster. That's right. Uh, okay. You splash down into the water and begin to follow Tessellation. Uh, uh, I think Devo hands heads back to the parish, I want to say. You, as you start to sort of make your way through this crowd as it, as it dissipates, um, you see Beck. And... She is sitting at an empty space on a pier. Um, there is no ship docked where she is sitting. And she's sitting on top of a big uh, rectangular leather chest. Um, and you can see that it has the, the hand and scales insignia of the, the benevolent parish. Uh, Beck? What, where, where did you get this chest? What is this? She does not answer. She is just looking down at this empty spot in the water. Um, make a perception check for me. Um, you know what? I'm going to do that. Uh, 13 total. It is the way that her eyes are kind of yeah. glazed over that... You can tell that she is, she has been, um, orated to. I am going to uh, begin to sing quietly in Counter Charm for her. It just takes a few notes, and she snaps out of it. And she looks up at you, and she says, um, "Hey, Devo, Beck, what happened?" Um, I think I sold my ship. To who? To to sell them? I see. She 
hops up. She seems as surprised to be sitting on a, a church chest as you were to see it. And she cracks it open and you see inside of it. It is heaped to the top with golden plates and cups and uh, all of these sort of like uh, golden ritual place settings. You you probably would recognize these as like mm-hmm. very, very precious and ostentatious tools of the church that, you know, when you had just the one plate and couldn't exactly find a vendor for it, probably wasn't worth the most money, but it is not the worst deal that she got on on this ship that apparently seldom purchased from her. Uh, Beck, um, while you uh, sell this stuff off and buy yourself a new ship, do you want to uh, crash at the parish and get this all figured out? I guess so, she says. Okay. This is a lot of gold. Is this my gold? It would seem so, yes. All right, kick ass. Um, can you help me carry it? Uh, I, w- I will get some of our new friends to do it. Uh, and I ask two Brynars, or Drynars, very politely, to help carry I don't think there's any Drynar aboard that. I think that they have been sort of trepidatious and are awaiting this introduction mm. just as eagerly okay. as Tessellation was to make it. But it's Then not. as tired and sore as Devo is, he yeah. helps carry out. Okay. Yeah. You make it back up to the parish and settle in. Um, she has her, her own room for the evening. Um, and as you are sort of preparing uh, for for bed where are you where are you sleeping well I, yeah i think yeah. i'm gonna go to what was guidance's office and i'm like sitting at her desk uh what are you doing while sitting at her desk i think i'm looking at the book make an insight check for me <laughs> 14 total all right i'll give it to you you are seated in the office of your former instructor, mother figure, uh, with whom you had a pretty contentious relationship. Um, yeah, I think that that uh, may be a bit of an understatement, for sure. Yeah. And you are sort of in this moment where it is the first time in a while where you have not been under some sort of terrible threat um, since her passing. Um and with everything else kind of squared away, you, you turn your thoughts back to what happened to the Hand of Guidance, and you are struck by a thought. Some of the last words that Benefactor Orlean told you was that he asked you if you had her book, and then he said that he tried to warn her. Mm-hmm. And you flip to the front of the book, and on the inside cover, you see handwriting. You see Orlean's handwriting. And he has written an inscription in here. And it says, To my sister in the light, I pray this tome should help you lay the path that our city's children 
shall follow. When this world would inflict its falsehoods upon you, I pray that you shall endeavor unsilenced. May you never forget this core truth of those who are bestowed with the mantle of hand. And then there is a space, and then it reads, Great orators seldom whisper. We have an aura frame here at our house, and we primarily use it to show pictures of our kids and the fun stuff that we do. And my favorite thing about it is that it's so easy to upload pictures on that as soon as we get home from doing something fun, we just immediately put the pictures up there so we don't forget to do it. You know, because I, I've tried, we try to do picture frames and stuff in the past, and then we never remember to put them on. But with Aura, it's so easy to load it up that it has become kind of a, a digital scrapbook more than anything else. So if you have been looking to get the pictures that are trapped in your phone and set them free in a way that other people can see them, might I recommend Aura Frames. They're stylish, they're easy to use, you're gonna love it. And it was named the number one digital picture frame by Wirecutter, and for a good reason. It's so easy to set up, and they have different frame options, all kinds. And the best part is it comes with unlimited storage. So, right now you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frames with code ADVENTURE. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code ADVENTURE. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it's me, the internet's Travis McRoy. Yes, that's right, powerful influencer, Travis McRoy. You know, people are always asking me, Travis... How did you become such a powerful influencer in the world? Well, I'll let you in on my secret. It's Squarespace. Yes, that's right. Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything. Your products, content you create, or even your time. What? What influencer doesn't do that? I ask you. I'll wait. That's right. None of them. They all do that, and you can do it with Squarespace. Okay, here's uh, just as an aside. You can also use Squarespace even if you're uh, not an influencer, um, and even if the idea of being an influencer uh, makes you throw up a little bit in your mouth, don't worry, Squarespace is still useful. With Fluid Engine, a next-generation website design system from Squarespace, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. With Fluid Engine, a next-generation website design system from Squarespace, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. Start with the best-in-class website template and customize every design detail with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. With Squarespace scheduling, clients can quickly view your availability and book their own reservations, appointments, or classes, and you can sell products on an online store. Whether you sell physical or digital products, Squarespace has the tools for you. So go to squarespace.com adventure for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use offer code ADVENTURE to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Chicago! We're coming to you. We're coming for you. We're coming at you. And we're also coming to C2E2. And we're doing live shows. All a bunch of stuff in April. April 24th, we're going to be doing My Brother, My Brother and Me, which is nearly sold out. And Taz, which is selling out fast. So do not wait. 
April 25th is Taz. April 24th is my brother, my brother, and me. April 26th through the 28th, we're doing C2E2 schedule to be announced. You can get your C2E2 badges now, but you do not need a badge to attend the live shows. Tickets for those shows are on sale at bit.ly slash Tours. All the information's there. Go check it out. Also, we've got a newsletter in case you've been wondering what's the best way to keep up with our new tour dates and announcements and stuff like that. Go to bit.ly slash newsletter. And of course, check out all the merch over at macroymerch.com. A lot of great stuff. Fungalore sticker pack, um, naming of the year poster. Uh, we've got the little sailor man pin and 10% of all proceeds this month go to the foundation for black women's wellness. So go check it out. Macroymerch.com. And now back to the show. Hi, my name is Graham Clark, and I'm one half of the podcast Stop Podcasting Yourself, a show that we've recorded for many, many years. And uh, at the moment, instead of being in person, we're recording remotely, and uh, you wouldn't even notice. You don't even notice the lag. That's right, Graham. And uh, the great thing about this... Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay. Okay, go ahead. And you can listen to us uh, every week on MaximumFun.org. Or wherever you get your podcasts. Your podcasts. Hi, it's me, Dave Hill, from before. Here to tell you about my brand new show on Maximum Fun, the Dave Hill Good Time Hour, which combines my old Maximum Fun show, Dave Hill's Podcasting Incident, with my old radio show, The Goddamn Dave Hill Show, into one new futuristic program from the future. If you like delightful conversation with incredible guests, technical difficulties, and actual phone calls from real-life listeners, you've just hit a street called easy. I'm also joined by my incredible co-host, the boy criminal Chris Gersbeck. Say hi, Chris. Hey, Dave. It's really great to... That's enough, Chris. And New Jersey chicken rancher, Des. Say hi, Des. Hey, Dave. The Dave Hill Good Time Hour. Brand new episodes every Friday on Maximum Fun. Plus, the show's not even an hour. It's 90 minutes. Take that, stupid rules. We nailed it. The weeks that follow your return to Founders Wake uh, are, to to say the least, ones of of great transition. Yeah, that seems right. <laughs> I think in the absence of the, the the sort of power vacuum that Coda and the Biggest Baby and the Chaperones left behind is filled by a, a, a se- by several different factions. The Iron Welks, which were. The Iron Welks are stoked. They were these sort of like jaded ex-military leaders who were not chosen by divinity to to serve Coda aboard the biggest baby. And so they very quickly began sort of politicking to become a uh, new sort of security for uh, for, for the city. And that is a that is a contentious thing, but it is sort of the conversation on everyone's lips. Uh, there, there is also conversation about these Drynar, uh, and you know this ocean's track record for throwing weird magical stuff at this city is mixed enough that there are some people who are obviously trepidatious about this idea, and then there are others who are like stoked. There are others who trust what uh, uh, Tessellation and now Zooks and the Deep Thinkers kind of have in mind as they have sort of taken these, uh, you know, white coral beings 
uh, into their their coral tower to uh, try and figure out the best way that they can help and, uh, you know, save the city. Uh, Another sort of big vacuum that takes place now is that because Seldom is gone, the, the schoolhouse no longer has an instructor. It no longer has a headmaster. And so the big garden space of the conservatory has kind of fallen silent as children are no longer brought up here to be to be instructed by Brother Seldom. Um, well, you needn't worry about that, Griffin. Okay. I think Devo has been opening the parish up as a new training grounds, a new, uh, very, uh, let's say, specialized school. Okay. Is it a religious institution? What, how does it... Very specialized means ninja shit. Yeah, oh, well, I was no. thinking more like Charles Xavier School for uh, very special okay. kids, which I don't think is what it's called, but... No, no, it's the, you have it right. Charles Xavier School's for very special kids. Yeah, for very special boys. Um, LLC. Yeah. Um, no, this is more of we are teaching less religious, but more we are teaching about magic. We are teaching uh, with the idea of this is how magic works in the world. This is how magic affects the things around you. This is the impact magic has had on these things. Basically, everything being taught um, with the point of view of the past is important, but we are also teaching about uh, the future and how we can affect it by understanding this thing that has happened to our world. So a much less, I, I mean, uh, Seldom was a historian, and that yeah. is the, ball, you know this better than others because you learned from his broadcasts, right, about the world around you. You're saying that your school is less about the past and more about the present and, and future. I mean, here's the thing. I think that a school should exist to train people to exist in the world that they are in, right? And so we are working to train the kids to exist in the world that currently exists yeah, and improve it to be the world we want it to be um, instead of, I don't know, teaching kids to worship a world that once was. Okay. That's Devo's take on it. I think the past is awesome. Don't get me wrong. Sure, sure. I think then that, I think the parish is slow to transition. To, to this vision. But also, yeah, sure. you were not wrong when you stated that you are the sort of reigning uh, figurehead of of the parish now that, uh, gosh, seldom and devotion and benefactor Orlean are all gone. Guidance. Guidance, yes. You are devotion. And so... I, even though they are reluctant to do so, the parish falls in line behind you, and this this school opens up, and I think that the the parents of this community are hesitant at first, also. Um, but oh, screw that, man! We've been in a pandemic for a hundred years, and it's it, childcare is uh, tough to come by. I think the parents are stoked. Yeah, like the parents are like, yeah, "Oh, dude. what's that? School's open again? All right, go on, kids." Yep. Uh, and the, the 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 city's young people find a home there. Um, it is different from the one that they knew, but like I said, it's a time of transition, and they are game for that as well. Zooks, what do you do 
in the following weeks. I think that Tessellation continues to sort of lean on your help as uh, they sort of integrate these these coral beings into uh, the their their you know various projects uh, that they have running in this scientific institute of the the coral spire where the deep thinkers have sort of made their base of operations. Uh, what's your what's your role in everything? I think he helped them get set up. I think he, you know, the the initial agreement was that they would help protect the community. Yeah. I think they set up a series of installations, um, kind of a ring around the city to not only protect, but also as kind of a, an outreach, an exploration thing. Okay. And informally called it the reef. Okay. And, you know, it's there for protection, but also if somebody needs to send somebody out you know, the outliers, outliers to, to, you know, check out situations to go beyond what is established as, you know, the safe areas. Yeah. That uh, the reefers will be sent out. Okay. Uh, do you sort of, does this mark an end to your, both, I guess is a question for both of you, from, from your, um, your 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 travels away from the city does this terminate? Oh no, oh, no, absolutely not. No, not for Zooks. No, okay. he's no. a very Captain Kirk kind of commander. And the fact that once he gets it set up, he resigns his commission. He wants to be out there be to be one of them. Okay, and I w- I would also say that what what we have reached between I think okay. So here's what I'm thinking: the fact that Devo now knows that he is responsible for everyone being in Founder's Wake. Yeah. I think it hit him, I think that hits him really hard. And I think that he has decided that uh, it's no longer just about surviving um, and the conversations he had had with Tolliver about uh, like, we gotta move to the next world and everything that happened and like the regrets that Orlean had. I think Devo is kind of sick of everybody thinking about the past and mourning what they lost. Yeah. And it's time to find a way to fix the world. I guess my question is what happens to the Coriolis? Oh, we still we use it all the time. Okay. I think at this point it is Zeus and Devo have matched I mean, I don't want to speak for Zeus, but I know Devo has lots of projects and research and trying to find magical shit and other god blood that I think he has plenty of opportunities where he would need Zeus's help to go, and and yes, even Urchin, to go out and do it. And okay. plus, at this point, it is now an official vessel of the parish. Sure. Operating under the parish's banner. So I can also send people out under my command and under Zeus's command to go out park. on these, what? You can also park wherever you want. I can park so wherever huge, I want. So oh my God, yeah. I got a bumper sticker that says like, you know, uh, that I'm a, a member of the church and I can go. Oh, and candle night shopping season. So that So much. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't think Zooks, and I don't think Debo does either. I think Zooks feels a very strong compulsion to try to find Amber. So I think he's very much dedicated to this research too, to yeah. find a way to reactivate the portal because in his mind, he, he doesn't know if Amber's... Sure. Did it willingly, or all he knows is Amber basically 
sacrificed her life for him and everybody in that tower. Oh, Devo's got a room set up at the parish where that portal is established. Okay. And he spends a lot of time in there studying the book that we got from uh, the Beholder and any book he can find and, like, trying to communicate with the Drynars and talking with, like, Zooks about it and trying to activate it. Um, and can I tell you, Devo's plan, he's got to find and, and at least collect blood from benevolence. Okay. Mm-hmm. It is, it's a few months later then, and you all have, have settled into these roles. And Zooks, you are summoned by Tessellation to the, to the Coral Tower, the Coral Spire. Um, and when you arrive there, they are waiting for you in front of the, the doors into the shepherding pool, which is where sort of the Einar spirits from the vestigial plane wander into this world to inhabit the the bodies uh, that, that are created for them. And they summon you here, and without saying anything, they open the doors and uh, invite you inside. As soon as the doors open, you can see that this room has changed dramatically. It is drab and gray and dark, and the water in this, you know, big circular pool in the middle of the room uh, that once just shimmered this this brilliant golden color uh, is now just water. And tessellation puts a hand in the water and stands back up and looks at you and says, um, this is, uh, this is an important day, I think, Zooks. The pools have gone dormant. And as Shepherd, I worried that I had done something wrong, but I've come to a realization. Everyone in the vestigial plane who was going to come through has come through. There there will not be any new Einar. Not from this time forward. And I don't know how you received this news as we've discovered you you were never Einar, but this is this feels like the ending of a chapter to me. Can we do anything about it? We did. This... This... This role... Is ended. I am no longer... A shepherd of... Lost sheep. And I think it's time that... I fully turn my attention to to your goals, Zooks. It is time that I join you in dedicating myself to the protection of the souls that have come through and everyone else living in Founder's Wake. 
And the door opens again, and the baluster Hermine walks in. And she sees that you're there, and um, she says, Did you did you tell him about it yet? And Tessellation says, I was getting to it. Um come with us. Do you have a do you have a moment? Oh yeah. <clears throat> sure. He leads you out of the shepherding pools, and together with the baluster Hermine, you all make your way uh, to an elevator. And you are in the base of the Coral Spire, so it is a bit surprising uh, when the elevator goes down a ways. Uh, And as you are going down, he says, since the discovery of what we are able to do with with these bodies. A thought has occurred to us several times, and it wasn't until I saw your new big beefy form that it occurred to me that it is it could be a reality. Um This city, as you know, needs a defender, and the reef and those who serve upon it have formed an incredible bulwark against the many, many dangers in the Aether Sea. But I think that we both know, all of us know, that it does not hold a candle to the massive defensive power presented by the biggest baby. Can we stop calling it that now? No, you have to call it that extra hard now. The biggest baby. Um, with a sense of reverence, you know? Sure, for the dead. Uh, and the door to the elevator opens, and Tessellation says, but, but you, Zooks, they say, you can take any form that you wish. And they walk through the doors of the elevator, as does Hermine, and as you step through, you see that you are in this colossal room um, that stretches up 80 feet easily. And there are girders and metal lattice work um, positioned all around the center of the room, uh, holding up this huge cylindrical tank filled with water and also filled with a figure, filled with a, a humanoid-shaped entity um, that seems to be crafted both from the sort of living organic coral from the spire outside, but also sort of woven into it the, the, the Drynar-bleached coral. Um, that you have interfaced with so many times now. And it is it is forming this gigantic, what appears to be night. Uh, it is this huge armored being uh, with these long legs that end in spikes. Uh, it's got these, these uh, you know, it's still suit, almost resembles your own kind of like uh, bulked up armor. Uh, but with these long sort of blade-like fins that 
emerge from its elbow guards and from its pauldrons, uh, all sort of building up to this uh, sort of long pyramid-shaped head. And it 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 is it, it nearly fills the tank. It is about 65, 70 feet tall. A, a truly imposing-looking uh, Brynar. Uh, but it is floating in this tank, and it is lifeless. And the baluster Hermine speaks up, and she says, The reef is doing all it can, but this city needs a defender, Zooks. And I do believe that you are the only one capable of filling that role. We don't understand your powers, but we are hoping that you do at least enough to bring this dream to fruition. <laughs> Seriously? Really? This is mine? This is this is Now you are you kidding? This is for me? Uh this is for me. They look at each other kind of surprised by your excitement and Hermine says this is for the city. Zooks. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, for oh, um, hell, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll do it. Uh, as soon as you say that, a couple of uh, like uh, non-coral scientists uh walk up to you and uh gesture for you to follow, and uh, all of you start to walk around this big cylinder at the center of the room to a hatch on the backside. And Tessellation says, I will warn you, this suit, if you want to think of it that way, is, it is tremendously powerful, as lifeless as it is. I cannot guarantee that you will be able to incorporate into it before it incorporates into you, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah, trust me. Been there, done that. Knowing that, are you still so eager to agree to this? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the hatch opens up. And Hermine says, then good luck. <laughs> All right. Can I do it? You swim into the tank, and now you are in the water with this huge form. And through the glass, you can see every eye is on you. Every every scientist assembled here, every Drynar, Tessellation, the Baluster Hermine, they are all watching you with bated breath to see what happens. Um, he swims around it a lot. Okay. Kind of that Captain Kirk moment in the Star Trek, the motion picture, where he just admires the Enterprise from every angle, looks at it, doesn't touch it, just really inspects it, looks at it uh, with a huge smile on his face hole, um, and eventually swims up to the pyramidal face, the head, mm -hmm. and uh, swims right up to the face. Okay. And... Now, he looks back at Tessellation, everybody else, and gives a big coral thumb up and then 
wraps himself around the face and just absorbs right into it. Make an animal handling check for me. That would be a 16 plus 4, 20. A dirty 20. You place a hand on the pyramid face and just branches of coral immediately shoot out of the the sides of the pyramid and wrap around you. And you feel it violently trying to pull you in and trying to almost devour you. But you hold strong just for a moment, enough for you to assert who's in charge here. I think he uses the experience with Clam and all those other times where he got sucked in. I think he even uses the experience of when Orlean took over yeah. and he, he fought and fought and fought. I think he uses all of that experience to fight back this time too. It is second nature for you to assert yourself in this way now. And that was not true before you joined the crew of the Coriolis. But as it is now, you gently integrate into the pyramid. And then a few quiet, nervous moments pass out in the lab. And then everyone out there sees inside of the tank two bright yellow eyes appear on the pyramid head. Devo. Yeah? I want to take it back a minute. Actually, more than a minute. I want to take it back several months. Okay. And you have just left the tower. Mm-hmm. And you are resting aboard the ship. And moments before you drift into unconsciousness, you have a headache. And it is a brutal headache that feels like the, the world in front of you is being torn apart. And it feels like it will never pass. But... It does, after a few moments. And when it does, you come to, and you are sitting in a nice velvet-lined seat inside um, a Thanksgiving booth. Um, and you are receiving gratitude from, uh, from a, a child in the other side of the booth. And you hear him say, um, yeah, uh, my mom made fudge and that was awesome. So I'm, I'm, I was super thankful for that. And, um, my big sister popped my balloon and that was, that made me super mad. But then, um, she, she made me a bracelet and it was, it was really nice. And it just made me remember just sort of how, um, thankful that I am to have such a, you know, such a nice sister who, you know, she's, she's, a little rough sometimes, but she she watches out for me, and that's um, that's pretty cool. So I'm thankful for that too. And is that enough? Uh, sorry, and enough for what? It, is that is that enough gratitude? Oh, uh, yes. Okay. Um, well, uh, thank you, Father. And um, I, I, how often am I supposed to do this? Because it's a, it it am I just anytime anything cool happens, I come here. And how's it work? 
yeah, let's say this, this, uh, when something cool happens. Okay, bye. And you hear the door to the booth uh, swing open and little footsteps uh, go running away. And through the sort of mesh screen uh, on the door into your side of the booth, you see this little boy uh, run out of your office here uh, in the benevolent parish uh, in the city of Founders Wake. Oh, so was I like dreaming? Is it now? Wait, when is it now, Griffin? You are fully aware that you have just awoken in a different world. This is not a dream that... that uh, the real Devo is having. You were aboard your ship after uh, defeating Orlean aboard the Coral Tower like uh-huh. moments ago, and then you had a super bad headache, and now you are in what appears to be Guidance's office, but it's not Guidance's office. It's your office here in, in the parish. Um, and you know that because just like your stuff is all over. Uh, it is. It is. It is not her room anymore. It is yours. Okay, I'm gonna go out. I want to find somebody. You step out of the Thanksgiving booth, and you know you you walk into the office, and you can see through the windows that you are in the conservatory. Um, and it is pretty similar to how you left it. Um, the you can see through the window that the um, the menagerie is closed up. Uh, there there doesn't appear to be anybody coming and going or inside of that building. It seems uh, there there is a sign in front of it that reads derelict. Uh, uh, caution: Do not enter. Um, and you can see Founders Wake outside and. There are a lot of people up here. There are a lot of people hanging out up here. A lot of fancy people uh, up here. More than you have seen in the conservatory in, in, in some time. You look at those people and you realize that they don't have any kind of Piscine fish features. They are, they are, you know, they had, they have the bodies that they had before the sort of like uh, Cambrian explosion that happened uh, aboard the city of Founders Wake, uh, and I think that's when you realize that your gills are also gone. And as you're observing this, you see a puddle on the ground that begins to rise up and take form, and then moments later, Tolliver is standing in front of you, and he says, "I'm guessing it worked then." Fuck you. Okay, what worked? Oh, was the thing with Orlean? Oh boy. Uh, okay. I know that you loathe vagaries. So, um, may I have a seat? Was that you being direct? Um, yes. He sits down at the desk. Uh, that apparently belongs to you. And he gestures oh, you for you ask to, it, did you? Okay. He gestures for you to sit, sit in your sit. own chair. Okay. Yes, I sit in my chair. All right. So uh, I'll be as direct as I can. I'm an embodiment of the will of magic. 
You get you. Yes, I know. Okay, that, cool, 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 cool. You did something with magic that I've never seen before, and I'm still trying to figure out what that means. But basically, you did something you weren't supposed to do. Oh, when I changed the past. When you changed the past, when you invited yes. Orleans' family to come with him to Founders' Wake. Yes, I'm kind of an asshole. It's bigger than that, Tifo. I mean, yes, but on a existential level, you're an asshole. He yeah. says, so because of that, he never joins the cloister. He leans on his family instead. He never pressures you, devotion. And so you graduated from the cloister and became a hand and never became a freelancer as a result. And so you didn't meet Zooks and Amber, and mm -hmm. that whole thing never really happened. Um, yes. Sadly, you weren't there during their first job when they were crossed by Guthrie, and they they perished at sea, never seen again. Mm -hmm. The whole clam thing clearly didn't happen because Orlean didn't go out to sea. You probably pieced that together yourself. Yes. Um, bonus, Coriolis never brought the pathogen to Founder's Wake. Um, mm -hmm. So no one died there. Of course, Cambria is still out there somewhere, so it's only a matter of time, but still small victories. Um, what else? Oh, Crescendo continues to destroy the past, but as a result, the church seems to have gained even more power, so congrats. Oh, you mean here in this, what's happening now? This is what's happening now, yes. Yes. Okay, yes. Um, you are being really chill about all this, by the way. And I, oh, yeah. I appreciate that um, because I feel like our relationship it has been contentious in the past. Oh, um, yes. So the, something has changed. Yes. Um, so uh, for a long time, right, my relationship with other people was that they thought that I thought that I knew more than them, right? And so uh, a lot of uh, the perception of me was that I was an asshole because I was a know-it-all and I knew more than them. But the, realize, uh, the realizations that I've had is that I do not know more than them. They know less than they think they do. So you're sitting here and you began this conversation saying, I did something that no one has done with magic before. Yeah. But then you are going to tell me about how I fucked up. But how do you know I oh, fucked up? You, sorry, you're jumping to conclusions again. I'm not, I have no intention of saying anything along those lines. Okay, my point is this. Um, you do not know as much as you think you do. I do not know as much as I think I do. No one knows as much as they uh, think they do. So the idea that anything is certain or is that uh, someone is supposed to do something or isn't supposed to do something, whatever. Uh, that's all just as our tiny brains understand it. Um, and also, one more thing, if I changed uh, all of that, then Orlean wouldn't have been there, and I wouldn't have been there, and I wouldn't have changed the past. Yeah, you're getting yeah. it now. So, um, have you ever found it peculiar, I guess, in the uh, moments since you made your fateful broadcast? to the whole world um, that no one ever mentioned that the voice that called them from the sea had an accent thick enough to mortar bricks together? Okay, ow. 
But also, uh, I just assumed, you know, and Devo waves his hands in the air, magic? No. Um, oh, okay. That's true in this world. You spoke to this world, and I did Oh, not. I made a second world? Something. You're right about one thing. I don't know as much as I put on. I'm, f- I'm playing it by ear. What I do know is that your world almost unraveled. But because Benefactor Orlean learned how to send messages to the past, so did I, and I called out from the ocean to... Uh, we're not your... so different, you and I, huh? I think that that is more true than you know. That world oh, still... Oh, no, I'm, I'm actually not that surprised by this. Okay. That world still exists. This mm-hmm. world does too. Mm-hmm. You are now in both of them. Awesome. I don't... Oh, is that not what you... Is it bad? It's just that you are currently occupying the shoes of a very, very, very different hand of devotion. Oh, you know, I don't really like this title anymore. I've I've decided to actually change... I don't know about here, but back in uh, what I'm calling uh, My World A, I'm going to change my title, I think. What do you think about The Voice of Hope? That's very that's very good. Um, or I could just go by my real name if you prefer, and I could just be Damien Cern. Oh, he smiles when you say that, and he says, "You've really got layers, don't you?" Yes, like <laughs> an onion um, or an ogre. He says, "Well, okay." I just came to give you a heads up, but I was not expecting this. Um, I was not expecting you to be so receptive to the news. Well, so here's the thing. If you're in the embodiment of magic, my new purpose in life is to fix magic. So I'm going to, I think, need you more on my side. I'm, in fact, I think going to need a lot more people on my side. Because I imagine the only way to fix magic and to uh, save our world instead of just, uh, you know, trying to slow the decay, the only way to save our world is I'm going to bet something along the lines of killing benevolence. Tolliver, even in this moment where he has admitted that he doesn't know as much as he's letting on, it still seems pretty uh, cocky. When you say that, he is taken aback and then he just kind of like looks around the room in a panic like he's trying to think his way through it and he says wow you you really got layers um okay I can help you with that and in exchange maybe you can help me too because I I am pretty powerful, but I am only doing what I am called to do. I'm acting on instinct, doing what I'm supposed to do. And you were not supposed to call out to the family of Benefactor Orlean, but you did. And Mm -hmm. in doing so, you defied fate itself. And that makes you very, very interesting, he says. Uh, Yeah, you know what? I'm going to try something different here, and I'm going to try to go with uh, making friends. And maybe even influencing people. And uh, he, Devo shakes his hand. 
Uh, and he smiles and says, the times they are a changing. No, he doesn't say that. <laughs> um, he says, you are just full of surprises. Back in my world A, as we are calling it, we see the shattered surface of the world above the ether sea. And I don't mean shattered in any kind of poetic way. The parts of the land that the sea has yet to swallow up have been rent into thousands of gigantic pieces. Um, and some of them remain sort of resolutely attached to the land beneath them, but many of them are just floating in a spiral around the storm in this just chaotic orbit. And as we move in closer to the storm, we, we pass through the outer wall of the cyclone and pass by cloud whales that are just effortlessly sailing through the vortex, unbothered by its, its violence. And then we are through it and into the eye of the storm. And there, floating high above the debris-strewn surface of the ether sea is the divine citadel, Hamanai. There is a wall that surrounds the island upon which this city is built, uh, and the city sort of raises up in a cone from the island's perimeter. Uh, at its base, there's just a, a, a innumerable, humble, but well-maintained sort of residential neighborhoods that are all bustling with, with life and just sort of content looking citizens without a trouble in the world. Um, and moving upward from there, there are businesses and universities and municipal buildings all laid out in these very precise rings, all sort of operating at maximum efficiency. And at the very top of the city of Hamanai, there is an ivory white palace with golden spires that glisten in the sunlight. And there are dozens of just sort of monastic clergy people tending to lush gardens. There are very stately scholars that are studying ancient scripts uh, within these sprawling libraries. And down every hall, there are just psalms of righteous gratitude echoing uh, around the building. Um, and then there is a long hallway, not nearly as ornamented as the rest, leading toward a dungeon. And there is a full regiment of golden armored guards positioned in front of the door there. And the sound of psalms does not reach this place. Inside that dungeon, lying on the stone rot floor in a, a small pool of blood, is Brother Seldom, who is writhing in anguish. And across the room, a, uh, an inquisitor rinses his, his hands in a silver basin of water, uh, looking down at Seldom with sort of more annoyance than pity. Uh, and as he begins to sort of pour over a selection of vicious-looking instruments of pain, the door to the dungeon swings open. And all of the assembled priests and soldiers here just reflexively prostrate themselves in front of the figure who strides through them. Uh, it is a golden-haired man. He is, he is wispy, but with a presence commanding enough to just suck all the oxygen out of the room. Uh, and he walks through the rows of kneeling mortals with, with total ambivalence. His attention is not on them, 
Uh, it is solely on the broken and bleeding man lying on the ground. And he kneels down next to Seldom, and he slowly slides a stole uh, off of his own holy vestments. And uh, with it, he begins to dab at the wounds on Seldom's face. Uh, he, is, he is cleaning him uh, to the shock of a few of the guards here in attendance. And Seldom looks up and sees the face of his god. The vestige benevolence is tending to his wounds. And he says, Easy now. It's finished. You have endured this mortification and shall suffer no longer. This gift of mercy is yours. Should you be willing to accept it. And... Seldom lays there for a moment, just barely clinging to consciousness, and then he lifts himself up to his hands and knees, supplicating himself before Benevolence. And Benevolence speaks once more and says, Your transgressions are hereby forgiven. I will prepare for you a place in my enclave. Welcome back, brother. And he looks at the Inquisitor, uh, who is who is similarly on on hands and knees, uh, trembling, uh, and benevolence shakes his head and says, "You must forgive your fellow acolytes, just as I have forgiven you. They do not understand the bravery that you have exhibited in slaying Sister Guidance. You prevented her." from revealing this citadel's location to those who would bring our paradise crashing into the sea below. And it is for this brave action, this excruciating sacrifice, that you will not only be absolved of your sins, but celebrate for your heroism. But first, and he takes Seldom's chin in his hand and lowers his face and says, First, you're going to tell me everything you know about the city of Founder's Wake. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.